Hello, and welcome to Please Don't Send Me Into Outer Space, the podcast intent on exploring all that science fiction and fantasy has to offer one movie at a time. My name is Joel. My name is Sarah. My name is Aaron. The movie this week is Ex Machina. Ex Machina. I say Machina. I know some people say Machina. I believe the I believe ma- ma- Machina, machina. Is, the pro- is the proper pronunciation. I mean, it's Latin. Yeah, it's it's Latin for Ex Machine from 2014, directed by Alex Garland and written by Alex Garland, starring Alicia Vikander, Dom Hell Gleason. Oscar Isaac, and Sonoya Mizuno. I picked this movie. It is one of uh, Sarah and my's uh, more recent sci-fi favorites. And I picked it because Aaron had never seen it before. And I was Thank like, you, Joel. Aaron's got to see this movie. I didn't really think about the fact that this is Cherry 2001, but uh, we'll take it as it is. Or maybe Cherry 1999, because I think that was supposed to be the future. Cherry 2000? Yeah. Oh, so you're saying Ex Machina is supposed to be more modern? Well, no, Ex Machina is the prequel to Cherry 2000. I disagree. Oh, okay. Well, you think they recovered after after, uh, Las Vegas was lost to the desert? They uh, reestablished Google or whatever his version of Google is? Cherry 2000. Oh, Blue Book. Thank you. Or Blue something. Yeah. Blue Balls. Cherry 2000 wasn't real. Ex Machina is real. <laughs> Sarah, let me explain to you what science fiction means. Uh, no. I'm just kidding. Let me I feel I feel that Ex Machina is more based in reality than Cherry 2000. And that's why it's freakier. Yeah, I'm going to say. Well... Uh, I mean, part of me hopes that, like, when it comes to the the version of a, a robot for whatever purposes there are, that Cherry 2000 is the more, at least the more realistic portrayal of that. Because, I mean, the, this whole movie is about a an AI and whether or not consciousness is has been created, you know, for the purposes. But it's got all these deep theological and... Uh, and philosophical themes going on. So, I mean, yeah, like, of, of course, Cherry 2000 is sci-fi goofiness. Ex Machina is a very, it's a very deep movie, but yeah. I don't want Ex Machina to be real. I don't want Cherry 2000 to be real, but I don't want Ex Machina to be real more. <laughs> yeah, I can see why. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, 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 I can back up that. Yeah. I get behind that easily. So... I imagine we're probably going to spoil things. Yeah, let's let's stick without spoilers at the at the uh, beginning, and then we'll get into it. Okay. Okay. Uh, the basic premise is that our our 
young lead here, uh, Dom uh, Hell Gleason, I think is how you say his name. Uh, what's what's his character's name from the new star, uh, the newer Star Wars? Snarling bad guy. Snarling bad guy with uh, he doesn't have a cape. I'm thinking of Rogue One. No, he doesn't. Have He's a part cape. of the new order. <laughs> Anyways, he, his name is Caleb, and he works at the uh, Google Light Company, Blue whatever, Blue Buck, Blue Engine, Kelly's Blue Book, <laughs> and he wins a prize to go hang out with the creator, the the president of the company, who is a. Uh, at least I got the impression from this movie that he is a very private man, and he is a multi-billionaire genius, and the prize for doing that is just to hang out with him for a week. But it turns out when he gets there, uh, this guy who was played by Oscar Isaac actually has a real reason that he wants to be there, and that is that he has created an artificial intelligence and he wants him to perform the Turing test on him. Had you got you guys were aware of the Turing test before this movie? I was aware. I wasn't. We saw this in the theater right when it came out, right around the time it came out, and at that point I didn't know what it was. Mm. But after I saw this, I I found out. <laughs> they do a pretty good job of walking you through it in this uh-huh. thing, yeah. Aaron, what is the Turing test? Well, I mean basically it's um, trying to figure out if an artificial intelligence is uh, sentient or has a soul. They do that by trying to fool a human into thinking that he's talking to another human, basically. Yeah. 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 So you ask them a bunch of replicant questions. Yeah. Right, right. So you're in the desert. Yeah. You see a tortoise lying on its back. Exactly. Hold on, let me turn on the light in your eye first. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even place that before. That's That's... That's funny. I didn't even think about Blade Runner being that way. But how does that testing work? That's one of the mysteries. It is. Of Ex Machina. But it's not just it's not just that he's created an artificial intelligence. He has put that artificial intelligence into the body of an android. An android with the face of a woman and the the general shape of a woman. And so Caleb spends time with Ava, the, that's the name of the, the AI in this case. And, uh, they get, you know, they get to know each other. And, uh, yeah, he gets to be a little weird as time goes on. It gets weird. Mm hmm. I mean, here, here's the real question for both of you Would you want to spend a week with Nathan, with I, I, Oscar Isaac's character? At the um, beginning of the movie? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Let's say at the end of the movie, assuming that uh, everything didn't happen the way it did. Oh, you mean like... You mean <laughs> under those conditions? Yeah, let's let's say he just wanted you to come hang out with him at his, uh, his place, uh-huh. and he hadn't built an AI. Like, it was just him and, ch- and buddies chumming around. Like, you didn't sign the non-disclosure agreement, so it was just you and him hanging out drinking. Probably wouldn't have been too bad. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like he's got deep psychological problems <laughs> that, you know, is going is contributing to, like, alcoholism or whatever. Yeah, you're right. It probably would get pretty rough hanging out with him. But, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, he'd sober up mm-hmm. and then you'd go home. I feel like the character has issues 
but I feel like those aren't obvious right away or out of context of what's happening in this. Yeah, I feel like everybody thinks of him as being this, you know, super intelligent, which is really, I mean, we're probably going to get into all of this, but it's really good storytelling that they do so much um, exposition with so little and so few characters. They take Caleb from his environment in the beginning and they put him into this other one and it's very few lines of dialogue, but you get the impression that, you know, this guy is his hero and that everyone knows he's rich and powerful and very, very smart and... And I think that they took that idea from some of the major people who have been in modern times seen as like the big techie genius or whatever. Yeah, it's like spending a week with Mark Zuckerberg. No, I don't I don't really think that's true. <laughs> and I thought it was really cool in the beginning how, how like, you know, obviously Caleb was like really nervous and he was just like, you know, trying to like be like, hey, let's just be two dudes that hang out. Yeah. Like, I thought that was actually pretty cool and it kind of, you know led you to believe that, oh, you know? Yeah, and for the most part, he tries to keep it at that level, too. He doesn't yeah. He doesn't want to talk shop. No. He wants... Uh, this isn't a TED Talk or right. something. He wants real reactions from him. Like, don't yeah. don't tell me what your your analytical mind is thinking of, of the conversation you were having. Tell me how it made you feel, like, inside. I actually really love all of the characters and all of the acting in this movie because I feel that you are at one point or another sympathizing with some of them and what they're going through and just it's like Caleb is this incredibly intelligent person who is very sensitive and Nathan is this incredibly t intelligent person who is a little bit disconnected from reality, it seems like. Oh, yeah. Like, a little bit full of himself and, you know, not not really feeling like he has to abide by certain rules anymore. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it creates this really interesting dynamic in the movie. Yeah. Everybody. Every, everybody working with everybody is is, like, this different tone to it and it's it's all performed so well like so sharp like if this was uh you could probably knock this down to like uh something you would see on the stage like a, a play being performed yeah oh yeah mm -hmm. but visually it does this other incredible thing as a movie it's yeah. so the the special effects are both, like, incredible and, like, understated in certain places. They mix this very, you know, small amount of CG in, in places where it makes sense to, with, with practical effects. And some of the, some of the moments are really give you kind of a chill with how realistic they look. And I think that about the movie, that it's it's really complex in one way, but it's really understated in another. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really cool. So, Joel, this was your pick. Yeah. Why'd you pick it? Because it's a really good movie. Yeah. 
<laughs> and because rewatching it is rewarding every time. Like I think I've seen it like four times now. Yeah. And there are things that are just occurring to me, like why this happened, what's going on, you know, what, what the character's motivations are, things like that. You were just talking about like how beautiful it is. Like I think that there is purposely a contrast between uh, the outside because this compound that Nathan is living in, like he lives by himself, except for he has one kind of servant that lives with him. It's it's, but she doesn't talk, you know, Keiko, and. Like, outside, it's like, I don't know if it's Alaska or what, but he lives, like, in a wilderness. He's got, you know, places he can hike on, beautiful forest, waterfalls, you know, snow and stuff like that. It's gorgeous. Inside, it kind of looks like a hotel lobby, like a really nice, you know, hotel in Vegas or something like that. And then once you actually get into the living area, it's so sterile, you know, like solid. It's it, The walls are opaque. But they're also just kind of like fogged glass yeah. all up and down the hallway. There's not decorations. Or there are a couple, but when you see them, they stand out very greatly because there's almost nothing else there. And it's this contrast, like the outside world, gorgeous, beautiful, inside, cold, you know, unreceptive. And then that also is like the contrast between... You know, Caleb, who is a living, breathing human with mm -hmm. feelings and stuff like that. And what you would think you would be getting with the AI, with Ava, except for the more you talk to her, the more you get the feeling that she has feelings. She has emotions that she has. And she's more than she seems she is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She has depth. It's like it doesn't even start out the way you might imagine it, which is like when you're communicating with uh, something – that has access to a database. Like, uh, that's what they're saying, that uh, Ava has access to every search that's being done on their their web engine. You would think that, like, when he asks a question, she could just search and search and search until she finds something that she, she sees is satisfying, you know. But that doesn't seem to be the way she's working. It's almost... It's a little bit childlike, because she's curious about him having only been... I haven't only known Nathan, mm -hmm. but she also knows a lot of things that she doesn't say out loud. Yeah. Alicia Vikander is amazing in this movie, I have to say. I think she can act circles around a lot of other people. I think The Royal Affair was probably the first thing I saw her in with Mads Mikkelsen. And... She acted her butt off, man. She is a good actress. She, you know, cries. She, she bleeds. She seems like a person who, um, just fully inhabits the role. And in this, it was eerie. She did such a good job. It was like eerie. There's definitely moments where you you feel for her, and then there's other moments where you feel you have no idea where she's coming from at all, and that's really cool. Mm -hmm. This is the first time I noticed that some of the things she says are kind of cold, like a robot. So there, there's a part during uh, probably like the second or third interview that Caleb is having with Eva where, you know, they're just having casual conversation. And uh, there is a part where she, he says, she says something. 
no, she says something about like I'd I'd like to go uh, you know out and hang out at one time, and he says, you know, just casually like okay, it's a date, and then later they have another conversation, and she says something about the date once again, and his reaction is almost to be nonchalant, you know, not not even noticing that she used this, the words that he did, but then she immediately follows it up. By reiterating, I'd like us to go on a date. Like, just straightforward. And his reaction finally is like, oh, she's 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 being serious. She's not, yeah. like, using the term. There. Yeah. And it's like, like no, you don't. <laughs> I don't know. There's, it, it, there, there's a seriousness that I had not picked up on before that is really cool. Like, because she... Yeah, she's a robot. Like, yeah. like you see, she's got like gear, like not gears, but she's got like these these space age things in her, you know, in her midsection exposed in the top of her head, you know. And when sometimes when she she reacts, she takes like a second to like mm-hmm. say what she's going to say. But she's not scary. She seems nice, right? Yeah, I yeah didn't feel any hostile anything from her at least. In the beginning, or yeah, yeah. So you'd go on a date. I'd like us to go on a date, Aaron. Okay, Joel, let's All go right. on a date. Then. All right. <laughs> right now, uh, I don't know. You should probably talk to Sarah about that. Sarah, <laughs> I was just thinking that um, you know, it would be weird if a robot was asking you out on a date, but that. You know, anytime somebody's asking you out on a date that you don't really want to go with, it's an awkward situation. So there is like a level of humanity, even though there was this other level of like weird, like he's like, you're not even a person. <laughs> right. And he's also treating the whole situation like she's a child, too. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's definitely some talking down. Going yeah. On. Yeah. Like if, you know, if there's a. A kid that has a crush on somebody and they're like, I want to be your girlfriend. Yeah. Like, and the guy's like, no, no. But you're a Tamagotchi. It's not going to work out between us. <laughs> Do you think they use tiny CDs to get her to work? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously not. They got that, they got that special gel. It's <laughs> that quantum gel that stores all of her, her thing right there. So it's even worse. What if, what if in Cherry 2000 he had to carry around this baggie full of gel? <laughs> <laughs> Pour the brain into it. And her. he can't listen to it like he was doing on that little table. No. Order. Takes a spoonful and eats it like, memories are mine now. <laughs> and he died. <laughs> so I, I want to get into I want to get into this heavy. So I, I want to step into spoiler realm. And just say that, yeah, that this movie... We highly recommend, we've recommended it before, and you shouldn't listen to spoilers on it if you're at all interested in seeing it and you haven't yet, because it's a really good movie to experience, but yeah. How much did you know before? Uh, I knew, I mean, do you want me to say the things I knew? No, I just mean like, did, uh, you, did you know a lot? No, I mean, I had some ideas based on the trailer mm. that I saw. Um, actually a lot of people, uh, including both you guys kept your mouth shut pretty good. 
about, <laughs> about the details. We signed an NDA. I mean, all I, I pretty much the only thing I really knew was that uh, Kylo Ren was in it. Or no, no, not Kylo Ren. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Whoa! Uh, Spoiler. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's a Star Wars movie, guys. Secret Star Wars movie. Great. So much for spoiler section. Yeah. There's two other Star Wars yeah. people. <laughs> yeah, I believe you're talking about uh, our X-wing pilot. Yeah. I can't remember his name either now. Poe Dameron. So, Poe Dameron. Oh, Sarah knows. She's got a poster of Poe. Hey, Poe Dameron can fly me anywhere. Autographed at the bottom of Sarah. I'll be seeing you at the movies. <laughs> yep. <laughs> take me away! Take me away in your spaceship, I've space got a, man. <laughs> I've got a poster of BB-8. <laughs> what about that evil BB-8? Well, uh, you know, I do. I do like bad boys. There you go. Yeah. So uh, people should watch this. That's what you're saying, Aaron. Yeah, uh, I say yes. Yes. People should definitely watch this movie. It was. Uh, I mean, the spoiler-free portion here. I'll just say real quick that it was uh, delightful to watch, kind of terrifying, a lot of fun. Great movie. I, I'm trying to think of something else that we would even say. Like, I, I just because I want to get into plot points, but I don't know. I just feel like the I feel like the only other things you can really say like are that I would think to say are that this is one of those movies where like the house, like the setting, plays a really large part. It feels like it's. It feels like it's a character or like a, you know, a, a factor in the story. Yeah. And, and then, you know, the fact that just it's a movie that takes a lot of care with the visuals and music and lighting. And it's just, it's really it gets psychological. And I think that. Because of all of those elements, that it's it's really good. I agree. Watch the movie. All right, let me take a little uh, section here while we're uh, gonna split into spoiler section to say uh, I noticed recently that most of the episodes were not actually available on iTunes. If you clicked on any of the things from uh, last year, basically, they were all playing our first episode. So I apologize to anyone who tried to listen to any of the other episodes. We moved over from our old hosting service to a new one, and apparently not all of the stuff transferred over. So I spent the last couple days re-uploading everything. Everything is now up there. So if you're listening to iTunes, Stitcher, whatever the normal stuff is, it should be the actual episode. You can listen to us talk about Kroll. You can listen to us talk about the sword and the sorcerer. You can listen to us talk about uh, a man called Rage again. I know you rage heads. We're very disappointed you didn't get to hear about that. Personally, I wanted to listen to the, uh, <laughs> the, the Mad Ghoul episode, and I was like, hardware? You're ripping me off. Dunwich Horror. Oh, Dunwich Horror. Yeah, that's one of our classics. Like, uh, all three of us love that. So, yeah, check those out. Those are all available at uh, wherever you get your normal stuff. And uh, we actually did get a new review recently. A new five-star review from Yerick TRB, who says, Listen to these smart and funny people have brilliant insights about movies that you should then go and see. Great movie choices. Great commentary. So, thanks a lot for that. I really appreciate that. She is a person that I kind of know uh, through uh, Jenny and Ryan. 
who have been guests, you should check out their episodes, uh, The Fifth Element and Big Trouble in Little China. Thank you for your review. And yeah, thank, thank you. you so much. I really appreciate that. Anyone who leaves us a review, we will read it on the air if we can uh, locate it. Sometimes uh, people from other countries do that. And uh, of course, since we're in the U.S., it doesn't show up in our review box. But I'll oh, be- that's lame. Yeah, I'll look for that stuff. What? iTunes, get your act together. Yeah, thanks a lot, We're a iTunes. global community, you know. Lots of people like science fiction stuff and fantasy stuff. One people, one star. Wait, no, five stars. Oh, five stars, please. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> All right, spoilers. Spoilers for Ex Machina, which if you haven't seen yet, you should go watch it and then listen to this part. Or if you don't care, that's cool, too. Aaron? So the thing that got spoiled for me for this movie, Okay. everyone kept talking about dancing robots. Oh, what? And so you were thinking that Everybody. Uh, all these robots were all uh, dancing I, together. I thought that he had like some sort of like uh, crazy lady robot menagerie where they were all like dancing. <laughs> like I, I, it was like getting really built up for me. And I was like, I was like, man, it must is, is it like Westworld? Like, mm-hmm. like that's what I was thinking. Like, hmm. like, is it just does he have like a harem of like lady robots at his beck and call? Your imagination went wild, yeah. and you didn't actually look at the clip though, huh? I know. Well, that's good. No, I wanted to see the movie for myself. Because when that part, that part happens, like I knew something like that was coming up, I didn't know how big it was going to be because yeah. somebody had. Uh, by the time we went to go see it, we saw it in the theater. Somebody had already like made a gif <laughs> of what was happening, oh, and so I was, I was casually aware. But when it happened, oh man! Oh my god! I hadn't seen it, but you, I think me, you, and Jose went to see it. Yeah. And you guys had both already seen it, and you were like, let's go! Let's go see that movie! And I was like, okay. And (laughs) then when that part came on, I was like, oh my god! So yeah, there's like a disco sequence (laughs) with uh, Oscar Isaac and one of the characters. And Kiko, yeah. And at this point, we don't know. I mean, you you probably already guessed at that point that Keiko is is an android because she's, she's silent. And she, Kyoko. 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 I mean, the first couple scenes, Kyoko. I, I just thought that it was, you know, the help. And I was like, okay, right. like he's hired some lady. But it, yeah, I mean, when when he has to continually explain that she's not going to answer you and all that, like, that's when I was like, well, okay, all right. Something's fishy is going on. <laughs> and it's not... The uh, sushi. But he taught he taught the robots to disco. <laughs> he taught he taught at least one of them to disco. Yeah, it's all in the programming, right? Mm. <laughs> not only did he teach it to disco. I mean, the the cool thing about this is not that they're dancing together; it's that they are choreographed. It's a choreographed dance. They're doing the same moves, <laughs> and it's amazing. And it only lasts for what fifteen seconds. It's, it's very short. Very short. Yeah. And on top of that, I mean, the scene is amazing in itself, but it's this, like, diffusing part because, like, at this point in the movie, tension is building up. Like, things are not how they seem. We we didn't talk about that in the non-spoiler section, but this is this movie is a thriller, uh, science fiction, and a little bit of horror going on, too. And at this point, Caleb is just trying to get a hold of, like, what's really going on. You know, he's starting to get a little confused. He's getting mixed messages from Ava and from Nathan, who is, you know, has shown himself to be an alcoholic and sometimes just just a dick. And 
you know, he runs in there trying to find answers. And uh, Nathan comes in, uh, finds him and Kyoko, who, when he approaches Kyoko, she starts to unbutton her shirt, like, this is what I'm for, like, a, mm-hmm. a, serv- a service robot. But, you know, he doesn't want that. And Nathan comes in, and he's like, <laughs> you're missing a real opportunity to dance with her. And then he hits a button. Like, that panel was ready to go. Yeah, well, it, was. <laughs> it was. It wasn't like he programmed something. It wasn't a jukebox. Like, he had a button. <laughs> For that specific <laughs> song, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then some of the best lines of the movie happen right there, which I'm not going to repeat. I can't do it justice. It's better to just see it because it's funny. <laughs> I'm no po- I'm no Poe Dameron. It take it takes you um, out of the seriousness for a second, and I think that's a good part of the movie too. It's a beat that that should be there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Aaron, I gotta ask you. Sure. Since it was your first time. Yeah, yeah. What did you think was going on as we're going on? Like, let's say after, after the second conversation, which I think is the first time where she says what? that what? he's lying. I was, I mean, the movie does a great job of kind of like, kind of setting you off kilter, even from the beginning. Like, at the first interview when he stares at the crack in the glass mm-hmm. and it's already kind of like the camera lingers there for a few minutes. And so it kind of gives the audience that kind of like, Oh yeah. <laughs> He's got a gorilla back there. Yeah. There's something, something's going on here. And then, and then after a while, while you're watching, you're kind of, you're like in my head anyways, what I, I, I can't assume for other people, but I was like, Oh, wow. like are his creations that brutal? Do they have to sit behind glass. Like what's the, What's the hang up? Like, why, you know? And so, you know, and especially the way that she starts interacting with him, there's, there's some desperation there, it feels. And, uh, you know, you, you start kind of wondering why, why is this robot isolated? What's the, you know, what, what's going on? And, uh, so yeah, no, it's, it's, it's quite thrilling. I, um, I don't know if I'm answering your question. I feel like I'm kind of just, no, I think you're going on there. Oh. <laughs> That's good. The only real question I have after watching it a couple of times is, how much did Nathan have planned? Because at the end, it seems like he did have a lot of things, like, a lot of things went as he intended. Well, he intended Caleb to be sexually attracted and sympathetic to her. He also didn't plan for the... Obviously, he didn't plan for the blackouts to happen, because... He sets up a camera at one point, you know, like to to see what's really going on. Like he finally figures out. Oh, it happens enough times where they're in the middle of an interview. I think it would be obvious. I'm gonna say that I find it very interesting that he didn't build some type of vocal command that would stop his robots from. And I get it. Maybe maybe it's the entrepreneur part of him where he wanted to actually build something that would be amazing and wouldn't wouldn't have he wouldn't wouldn't rely on you know simple commands like stop go you know he wanted it to become a thing a being its own own sentience he didn't want it i almost feel like part of him wants wants it to like 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 he mentions too caleb in the movie you know something that will that will outlast you know man it'll it'll come back look at man as as like this like fossilized Mm -hmm. you know sad thing (laughs) doomed for extinction but but then as the movie progresses, like you're kind of like you, you didn't like 
build an off switch. Yeah. <laughs> or like a clapper command, like on off, you know? Emergency know. override. Yeah. 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 I, I feel like in the beginning of the movie, it's kind of casual. It's like two people that work in this similar field are talking about tech stuff, which like I've heard, you know, is pretty good. The, the, what they're talking about fits in with what they should be talking about if that's their industry. And it doesn't, doesn't sound phony. And I do find both of the characters really kind of, um, interesting in the beginning. They both are kind of unknown to each other and they're unknown to you as the audience. So as they are getting to know each other, you're getting to know both of them too. And Ava, when Ava's introduced, it's kind of these sessions that he does with her to start the tour, the touring test. And, um, when she's introduced, I think Caleb is initially just so like excited by her that she exists and that she's, that she functions so well and that she seems so lifelike and that, you know, he's just excited for a new invention, you know, yeah. that this is possible. And that's kind of cool. That part is really. And there's different moments where you feel kind of like you want to take, you want to, you're concerned for Caleb and Ava and Kyoko. But Nathan has this narcissism. He has this like confidence. And it seems like his intention is to like constantly be working on his, you know, his invention and his, statistics and his you know everything and and when he's not doing that he's lifting weights and working out and like it's like a perfectionist type thing but <laughs> there's this really funny part where Nathan misquotes <laughs> misquotes Caleb and he basically says you were like you said I was like a god yeah. I really that's not what I said yeah <laughs> You're a god. Yeah. <laughs> the quote was, you're not talking about the history of men. You're talking about the history of gods. Uh-huh. And Nathan later is like, I really liked when you said that, when, when when I told you what I was doing, you said, oh, you're not a man. You're a god. Uh, that's not what I thought. <laughs> I, I thought, that's really good. I didn't even write that down. <laughs> I, I, believe, I believe I like the phraseology of that, too, because he's like already talking in like the future tense of the book. And yeah. Come out about you're all like a god. Mm-hmm. And he, he looked at me and said, yeah. you're like a god. <laughs> love it. Love it. So good. Yeah. But it's conversations like that that kind of lull you into this sense of, like, this ride's going to be good. Mm-hmm. That, like, you know, no worries, you know? No worries, right, guys? You're thinking, right? you're thinking to yourself, this guy better check himself if he thinks he's a god yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah, and it's it goes along with this thing that Nathan does where he almost seems to be playing dumb sometimes. Like, on purpose, being obtuse or pretending he doesn't know quotes and stuff like that. And then later to be like Caleb, you know, trying to step up and be, I don't know, show that he's smart and Nathan being like, yes, I know that quote. Okay. I know what you were, you were doing there. Like, you don't have to do that. It's like this power play that he keeps doing. Like, I'm going to let you feel like you have a chance to get a leg up on what's going on here. 
But if you get, you know, try to do too much, I'm just going to show you. No, no, I am 20 steps ahead of you. It's very interesting. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say it's very interesting because that almost parallels exactly what is creation is up to Mm. as well. If you think about it. Right. What I was just thinking that this is such a, uh, this movie. So yeah, (laughs) what I was thinking was it's like he feels, he feels an inferiority. So he needs to make himself seem smarter than everybody else, but he underestimates everybody else. In this movie? Oh, yeah. I'd say that's probably the biggest fault he has, is in underestimating others and underestimating yep. the consequences of things he does. All three of the other characters in this movie are underestimated by him. It's almost as if, like, he isolated himself because he couldn't handle uh, being amongst people to begin with. Yeah, that makes sense. And, right. so, and then he creates this thing that, so, yeah. Yeah. Like he tries to create something that he could then communicate with, but right. then, but then he feels like he needs, uh, because, because of his ego, he needs to, you know, make sure that, that, that his creation is amazing. So that's, that's when he cyber stalks all of his employees, yeah. figures out, you know, figures out which one is the one, you know, which one's the orphan, yeah. you know, which one can, which one can I, can I bring to my secret facility? I mean, my house. Literally, in the very beginning of the yeah. movie, they do this this effect on the screen where it, it looks kind of digitized, like something is scanning, and it's like I didn't realize the Facial first time seeing through that that's what was going on. But yeah, it's like you're being like Caleb is being watched from moment one when we get introduced to him through the webcam at his at his work because that's where he gets the email that says, "Hey, you're the winner," you know, and then he picks up his phone to text somebody, and we've still got that look on there. So he's being watched through his phone too, and it's yeah, like you said, it's it's just Nathan eventually lays it all out. Like, yeah. no, literally, I I picked you because I knew not only did you have what does he say, you have education leaning towards uh, the, the kind of things that will uh, enable you to test, yeah, coding and. And artificial intelligence, you know, and stuff like that. But I also saw all your susceptibilities, like, even to the point where he said that he modeled her face after his porn, the porn that he liked. And it's like, holy manipulative. Yeah. By the end of this movie, you don't like Nathan. For you. Yeah, but Nathan represents. Nathan for you. Nathan represents a possibility from humans that, you know, and it's almost like a, there's, there's levels in it. It's, a, he, he wants to, in a way you could say it's blasphemous. He wants to make something that will outlive humanity and yep. that is better than humanity. And he's thinking of himself as a god, you know? So, he, but it almost feels like there are things that people get so excited about, things that are possible that they don't think about in actual life, in actual practice, what that would look like until afterwards. And that is a totally human flaw. I mean, that is totally possible. And that's the part that I think is scary about the movie is that it is possible for someone to let something get away from themselves without really 
thinking about it, you know? It's we're fallible. Oh and, yeah. And we could do things that are really dangerous, you know. Yeah, let's go back to a previously covered movie uh, where we had Scott Cherry on as a guest, Jurassic Park. You were so fixated on whether you could, you never stopped to think if you should. Mm-hmm. Like, you've brought this thing into the world, and you think you have control, but that's not the way the world works. You know, it's like a, you know, that chaotician thing, you know, like... There is no control. <laughs> and the, in this like case, like, like you were saying, like it, it's, it's most people like think of, I want my immortality to be in the world. Think of like, oh, well, I'm going to have children. Right. And then my genes will pass on. And also they'll learn from me and stuff like that. It's like, he would not be satisfied with that. He wants something that will last forever. Once he, you know, gets it down to, the perfection thing that he wants, but he also makes, I mean, he makes a sex robot for himself. Yeah. Yeah. So he's also, he doesn't, you become very less sympathetic for, for him and his, and his, his, uh, flaws, especially when you start getting into his like weird half lady robot room and you're just kind of staring at all these things and you're kind of like, no, this doesn't seem right. No, no. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And we're right now, like, Politically, what's going on? This is a heavy button issue. So I'm just going to go out and say that that is not consent. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. It's a robot that he created, and they, you know, they have a physical relationship that's not the way consent works. Like, and that, that's all I'm going to say about that. Like, people have a complete misunderstanding, and he's a, he's a very good example of, of what is wrong. You know, this like obligation, like I created you for this. That's the way it is, and uh, uh, you don't. At the end, he gets what uh, you know. This is a real feminism story. It's real uh, girl power. <laughs> I don't feel like they're girls. I'm just kidding. I know that's the thing. It's like oh, I created these women. It's like those aren't people. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, it. It does make you question things like what does make you a person? What does make a feeling real? If you feel like you're being, <laughs> if you feel like you're a slave, yeah. aren't you a slave? Yeah. If you have the ability to understand that that's, that's and to a, know that you're trapped and want something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. That's, sorry. that's no. excellent. No, no, sorry. Excellent point. I feel like not smart enough to remember. Um, oh, it's a stalker issue. <laughs> but I think that there is like probably some classic story that has, you know, maybe maybe it's a Greek god story. I don't know. But m- there must be a story that's like this that exists without any of the particulars about technology and making robots and stuff that has to do with a creator and a creation, I feel like. I mean, I think the, the the first one that comes to mind is Frankenstein, but yeah, that's uh, yeah that that goes <laughs> that goes in a direction that I mean it goes into a kind of a similar direction where the you know the creation comes to to hate its creator mm-hmm. and to on a different level hate 
anything associated with that because you know Caleb at by the end of this he is left behind and I can't like in the cold logic of what somebody would be thinking doing that like what she would be what it would be thinking I can see exactly why she would leave him behind like he the the same reason why you you shoot your uh, people who see you commit a crime, you know, he's just yeah one more mouth that could say something and the liability was too high for her for escape for him to survive exactly yeah. But where's she gonna find a charging pad outside? That's what I want to know. She's smart. She'll Expert. Out. Exactly. I know. She'll MacGyver it. You know. Probably yeah. A couple tin cans and a car battery. There you go. Mm-hmm. I I have to say the the moment where uh, the moment where Nathan like knocked her arm off totally through t- brought me back to short circuit uh, and I was like no <laughs> I don't want this to happen right now twenty five is alive but then but then I have to say the emotions that I had in that, that scene were very conflicted because I I'm I'm not gonna lie he was a creep but I felt bad when he got stabbed I'm just gonna say and put that out there that I. I mean, obviously he was deserving of it, uh, but I felt very conflicted emotions. Yeah. Just to lay out some of the details of the story. Sorry if that was too much. No, it's okay. No, no, we're just talking about like the person has seen it. So if you haven't seen it, it's your own fault. Joel. Wait, wait, me? Yeah, Sarah, if you haven't seen this movie, it's your own fault. If I'm talking about it that way, then then I shouldn't be. No, I'm saying that we need to keep talking about it. I was talking to the audience. If you haven't seen the movie and you're still listening past the spoiler part and you feel like Aaron just spoiled something, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I just had a lot of mixed emotions during that scene. Like, I felt so bad for her getting her arm knocked off, and I was like, no, Johnny Five, no. But then he gets shanked, and you're like, oh. It's like butter. Yep. Oh, yeah. I have the the reaction I had to that was not sympathy for the character. It was sympathy for the way it looked, just a knife slipping into your body. Like, I, yeah. Once again, I feel like that is a <laughs> that is a relatable feeling. Like I've had something poked into me and I didn't like it. You know, like if I had a knife just kind of plunged into my back, almost effortlessly. Well, the police heard me and they're coming to get me now. <laughs> What they're the listening hell? they're listening to our recording. Well, I've got all my notes are kind of placed like almost like there would be chapters for separating parts of the movie like History of Gods talked about that. Uh I was thinking that the presentation of this character is the opposite of that modern art piece that you were talking about last time for Cherry 2000 cuz that was a you know, a sexy body robot that had no face, you know, it was supposed to give you a weird feeling. And this was a face attached, a human face with human responses attached to uh, what was obviously an Android. So Mm -hmm. it's like looking at a chat window. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say that the, the stuff from Caleb's Caleb's perspective starts to get a little bit bizarre because he's he's getting a conflicting account from Ava and he's starting to distrust Nathan 
And he's even kind of questioning, like, what he's doing there and what what's happening. And you start to feel sympathetic for Caleb because he's kind of trapped in this facility. And it's kind of a high-pressure situation. Quite literally didn't ask for any of this. Yeah. It was thrust upon him, yeah. essentially. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like, you're locked down for the next seven days. <laughs> and, like, manipulated because, like, this dude found him because he knew he liked stuff like this. Yeah. So it's, like, full manipulation of this poor guy. Like, yeah. Because, like, yeah, what a mind, like, uh, screwing with his mind, you know? Like, hey, I'm making a robot. I know you like robots. Want to check out robot? Hmm? Yeah, I'm not yeah. gonna tell you anything about this robot. <laughs> I'm gonna put you in a room with this robot. <laughs> what do you think, huh? Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's like I was saying. Like, I don't know how much went along with this plan altogether. It's yeah. I mean, he's he seems like by the end, it almost seems like he's an evil, yeah, evil person. And not just, I, I don't know, what is it, a sociopath or a psychopath or some, something like that. He doesn't have any emotions for not, not only his creations, but he doesn't, he's not concerned with how Caleb is going to feel at the end. It's like, well, it's, it's just a series of equations for yeah. him. Well, C- Caleb was just the ends to the means. It was someone he could use. It almost feels like, yeah. Yeah, and during the... During the questions that he's asking Ava, Caleb, it starts to get turned back around on him. And um, that kind of reminded me of that, like, little chat thing you could do a long time ago where it was like, it would ask you, you could ask it it questions or you, and it would figure out what you were talking about. You mean like the 20 question thing? The little bot thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like what was egg. that? It was like, uh, are you talking about the one that was like, it's like egg-shaped, right? And it's got like a digital screen on it? Is that what you're talking about? You used to mess around with? That was really cool. I don't yeah. remember that one. Yeah, it was like 20 question thing that would like animal, mineral, vegetable. And then from there, it would ask you questions. And usually it was right, you know. It was pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah, but I feel like there was one like on the internet a long time ago, I'm like vi- even before that. that yeah, it sounds like the future. I don't think that's true. The internet is just for looking at pictures of cats and occasionally puppies. Well, just the fact that by process of elimination, it could figure out certain things, kind of reminded me of um, this process that the machine. Ava is basically doing to Caleb and she's figuring out more and more about him all the time and you know just figuring out exactly how she can get him to assist her in escaping and at first you don't realize that's her intention she's portraying herself as a girl in distress that needs help from an abusive master or whatever and, you know, maybe she was. Maybe she was in distress from an abusive master, but um, she isn't very clear with Caleb about her intentions. She just wants him to let her out. And um, and he wants to let her out. He likes her even 
before he starts finding out that she's in trouble and wants to help her. Um, yeah. And then ultimately there's this twist that happens at the end of the movie and it ends with Caleb and Nathan getting kind of locked down with the robots free. The, the AI are walking around the house without <laughs> anything stopping them from doing whatever they want to do. And Ava ends up killing. They both end up killing him. Yeah, it's a team up. And that's like a Shakespearean type tragic moment. I think both the, both of the actresses that were playing the robots did an amazing job of sort of of attacking him with this sterile curiosity and just shock of what was happening and and his shock to the fact that this could actually be that he could actually be killed by his own creation well, it, the interesting about that that last part confrontation is that uh, Kyoko, this whole time has been subservient, like completely subservient to him. And so, when Eva gets out of her her cage or whatever, um, she goes up and she we see her whispering something to Kyoko in her ear right before Nathan comes out with uh, his weapon of choice, which is part of the barbell. In order to, I think his only intention there is to stop Ava, who is not supposed to be out there and could potentially be dangerous. He does not think he has anything to worry about from the other one. Mm -hmm. So it's like that, that malice was there the entire time, but Mm -hmm. it had no way to be manipulated. Like, I don't know if it was because she was weaker than Ava was or... Something in her programming would not allow her to. Like, I, I don't think that Ava, like, reprogrammed Kyoko in a second. Yeah, she just kind of whispers to her yeah. for a moment. Like, and I think she lets her know that it's possible to break free. Yeah, she probably whispers the same thing that Bill Murray whispers to Scarlett Johansson at the end of Lost in Translation. Right. Which is why in Lost in Translation 2, Scarlett Johansson is a killing machine. A.K.A. Under the Skin. That's what happens in Under the Skin, right? That's a good movie. You haven't seen that one yet. Yeah, we got to watch that one, too. So, (laughs) I want to talk about how this this movie comes off as a horror movie to me. Like, I think the way the AI becomes manipulative almost right away is scary. But there's also, like, some literal, like, kind of body horror stuff going on. Not not only with, like, uh, when when Kyoko uh, reveals herself to be an android, she, like, is peeling part of her skin away, you know, to show Caleb underneath, you know, is the same thing that Eva is made out of. And there's a part where she, like, peels away the skin right underneath her eyes. So you're looking at something that looks like... Like as Sarah was saying, from they live, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, it's really right. yeah freaky looking. But later, because Caleb has been having his mind messed with, like, okay, okay, this the situation is Nathan is 
reviewing tapes of him, but he's not watching him all the time. Like, because I think of, because of his alcoholism, if he had, I want to know, would Nathan have like gone and stopped him from doing what he did? Because Caleb is not sure if he's real at that point, And he tries, he tries to open up his own skin to see. And of course, all he does is cause a leak. And then they got to get the plumbers in there. At that point, you could believe that he was a robot. This has all just been an elaborate ruse. Yeah. Yeah. I think that he is in a high-pressure situation, and he could question reality when he's only surrounded by these two robots and Nathan and... You know, it feels like Nathan knows everything about him to the point of programming, even. Like, he's obviously played him like, yeah, like I said, it was an equation. <laughs> All an equation that worked out, except for the last part. There's one variable he didn't consider, which was that he was drunk. <laughs> that that was like the, the main flaw in his plan. He already was drinking probably before. Well, yeah, when he when when Caleb first shows up to the place, he's like, I got this massive hangover and blah, blah, blah. And Caleb's like, oh, so it was a really good party. And Nathan's like, party? You know, you <laughs> presume that he was throwing a party, but he obviously doesn't have human interaction for the most part. In a way, it kind of plays on horror tropes in that sense of like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the flaw, his flaws or his, his ending. Right. Yeah, that's sex, true. Sex bots and booze. Yeah. <laughs> but he's cut. Oh, yeah. He's in shape. He's got a beard and he's got a bald head and he's cut. And where's that V-neck cut off when he's dancing? Everybody's like, yeah. In most of the movie, he's wearing sweats and a half-zipped hoodie. or like a you know tank top and yeah like barely he's always like showing chest hair in every scene (laughs) i was gonna mention that that part where you were saying that you don't think of the the two as women Uh, they, they have that conversation kind of about that in the movie where Caleb is like, you didn't have to give her a gender. I don't, you, did you choose to make her a, a female? And he was like, what do you mean? I, basically, Nathan's like, it would have been impossible not to give them a gender. Like in nature, genders occur like that, which I think is a completely different argument nowadays, too. Like even just three years later, like the, the, the concept of gender for a lot of people is going away altogether. I smack my microphone while I'm saying that. So it's, I mean, but it is an interesting concept of self. Like, for me, she loses humanity at the end of the movie when she leaves and it becomes clear to Caleb that he meant nothing to her and that she's ready to walk out and let him die of starvation or whatever is going to happen when she goes. That's so cold. I mean,. She has never indicated to him that that she doesn't care about him until she gets exactly what she wants. And I think it's a survival instinct, you know, if you give some if you put something in a situation where it has to do something to survive that 
sometimes it'll figure it out, even no matter how terrible it is, you know, but, um, but I felt like not only the robots killing Nathan, but her leaving and leaving him trapped seemed really cold and mechanical. And I'm not saying that a human being couldn't do that. I'm just saying I think that it's definitely, it definitely made you feel like, (sighs) well, Caleb was innocent in all of it. He was just trying to help both Nathan and Ava. And so you feel kind of bad for him that he was played the fool by her and that ultimately all she wanted to do was become free. And that it didn't matter what he said to her or how, you know, he felt. Yeah. She saw an instrument. Just like Nathan did. Yeah. Yeah. It's all secular. See, I think that she she said she was causing the blackouts. And maybe that's true. Maybe mm. she was causing the power failures. And she just couldn't get out. Because Nathan had it all programmed to be on lockdown when that happened. But then when Caleb came, it provided her with an opportunity to poison someone against Nathan and then maybe manipulate the situation for her from the outside. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That part at the end where she, right before she decides that she's going to leave him behind, she <laughs> that's another really cold line that she says. She says, will you stay here? And she doesn't wait for him to answer, really. He, does, he doesn't have an answer because he's kind of like, at that point, he's at shock that, you know, Nathan's dead. Kyoko is on the floor and, you know, missing her jaw from the attack and stuff like that. And it, it like, like he is the the one in the position she was. She, like, I'm going to tell you what to do. Although she has the, <laughs> I don't know, the politeness to ask before she locks him where he will inevitably, inevitably, you know, starve to death, like you said. I mean, does it not occur to her because she doesn't need to eat? I don't know. I Possibly. never thought about that before. Possibly. I don't think so. I think you were right. Because she would have lived forever in a box, you know? Yeah. Even though it would have been a limited existence. I feel like, Yeah. I never wondered if if she wasn't thinking about his humanity, but i i did th- I did feel like she didn't she didn't care enough to. I feel like she was taking out her anger with Nathan on him too. Yeah, like you're a part of this, even though he was trying to help her. Mm-hmm. Vindictive, <laughs> vengeful robots. <laughs> it's very Westworld. You mean the HBO show? Yeah. I haven't seen the movie, so yes, I mean the HBO show. Wasn't it a book, too? No, I don't think so. So Michael Crichton wrote the movie. Yeah, it was just a movie. Okay. Aaron, do you have any thoughts you want to talk about? I think, I think it's all pretty well... Uh... Yeah. What's your favorite color? Green. Is that really your favorite color, or did you just pick that out of a database? (laughs) (laughs) Are you trying to manipulate me? Yeah, man. I really feel like we could just talk about this for like a day or so, 
24, like literally 24 hours of like peeling apart each layer of what was going on. Uh, once again, minute by minute podcast makers. <laughs> if you want to do a minute by minute of Ex Machina, you're going to have a lot to dig into influences and uh, like uh, like i said theological and, and psychological and and uh, phil- uh philosophical and uh geological probably i don't know they climb on some stuff there's no uh oh an- okay yeah another thing i wanted to talk about uh, when talking about this as a horror movie the the scene where caleb is watching the videotapes of the the androids that came before eva you know where she he was trying things out and you're seeing you know one ones without faces or, or torsos completely you know he's trying to get it to write and it won't do anything or the ones that fall they just fall over and he has to drag them out by their feet and like and of course there's the the one that smashes the glass initially yeah and then one of the last things we see is one that kind of looks like Kyoko uh, it's it's a different woman but it looks like enough like her where she is looking up at the camera and beating on the wall over and over until her hands just vaporize and she's beating with the stumps, you know, and it's, it's not bloody or anything like that because they don't have blood. They're androids, but it's still this, like this creature is fighting so hard to get out. It's not, yeah, it, it's terrible. It's terrible. And yeah, I just wanted to talk about that for a little bit. No, it is. It is pretty terrifying. That whole sequence of events when he viewing all that video. Mm. Yeah. Yikes. Yikes. <laughs> it's just amazingly well done. The oh, whole yeah. movie is amazingly well done, well put together, well edited. Yeah, definitely. And the aesthetics are really great. The minimalism and the the art that they choose to highlight and talk about. There's a lot of philosophical stuff going on in it that I probably I'm forgetting some of, but I think that the, I think the main questions are kind of about existence and about consciousness and about, about what, uh, maybe about rights. I mean, it feels sort of like what gives something the right over something and something else not the right. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. What, what entitles something yeah. to, Humanity, morality, mm-hmm. uh, those kind of options. Like, at what point does the the concept of a soul become something? Is it does it take more than intelligence? Yeah, uh, yeah. There's a lot of things just just being tossed around, and a lot. Yeah, okay. And going back to another movie we did with the LFO, it's. Again, like, what I said is if you had the possibility, like, why would you want a slave? Hey, consent. And I feel like that's what he did, is he he had the power and he decided to create a slave for himself or whatever. That may not have been his intention initially, but once he realized he could do it, um, it sort of became the way it was or in his ability to confine what he created he enslaved it, you know? Yeah. And he gave it the ability to understand that's what was happening. Yeah. 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 Choice he made in his own hubris, I guess. Yeah. 
So, Ex Machina, everyone should go see it right now. It's playing at your local theater. No, it's not. You should just rent it. Are you okay, Aaron? Yeah. Do you want a robot now? No. What about Johnny Five? Sure. Just as a friend? Yeah, no, I'm not going to make a sex five. Not Ro- five. not Rosie the Robot no. from the Jetsons? No. no. Well, she's all right, too. She, oh, she she's sexy like, enough. Oh, uh, no. That's not what you were saying? This is this is not the conversation we're having. What about, <laughs> what about Robocop? <laughs> sexy Robocop? And he's got at least, you know, human parts. How many movies have we done about robots getting, doing things? Uh, like Most of them. Yeah. Most Obviously, them. Cherry 2000. Hardware. Rotor. Uh, yeah. Robocop. The, I'm, lo- I'm looking at our movie collection, although it looks like most of the things I've looked at, oh, Quincy's Quest, that has robots. <laughs> that doesn't count. What was the Robin Williams movie where he was a robot? Bicentennial Man? Yes. AI? We haven't done those movies, but it's a popular concept. <laughs> All right, let's wrap it up. I'm going to read the outro stuff. Uh, do you guys have anything else you want to say about it before I wrap it? Aaron? Uh, just go see it. It's amazing. Amazing visually. Uh, quite the ride. Yeah, and if you, for some reason, listen to spoilers without having watched it, don't go watch the dance scene, even though it sounds amazing. Watch the entire movie, because <laughs> the dance scene is amazing out of, out of context. But in context of the movie, it's phenomenal. I do whatever you want. You, you know, you're not an AI. Make your choices. Unless you're an AI. Sarah, do you have anything? No. Cool. Is this better than Cherry 2000? Yes. Okay. Just wanted to make sure. <laughs> this is a movie I will probably watch at least a couple more times, if not more. And Sherry 2000, I will probably never watch again. <laughs> Listeners, that sounds like a challenge. No, just <laughs> Don't worry. All right. Outro stuff. Hey, if you got a suggestion or comment, write into please don't podcast at gmail.com or message us on Facebook at facebook.com slash PDSMIOS. Or if you want to tweet at us, our Twitter handle is at Outer Space Pod. If you subscribe to us or listen to us through iTunes, please give a second of your time to leave us a star and or written rating. We'd really, really appreciate it. Check out the rest of our podcast uh, neighbors on our podcast network, Ear Trumpet Audio. That's at eartrumpetaudio.com. There's a whole bunch of great shows that you can listen to there. And uh, recently, one of one of my favorite shows actually separated from our podcast label and i want to just give a big shout out to kill by kill because they are a great couple of people we actually had gina on for our twin peaks fire walk with me episode so if you like horror movie stuff go check out kill by kill aaron do you want to plug anything i guess um self-promotion moment uh i've been doing an instagram you can find me in dungeon janitor i post up silly fantasy uh, goblins and robots and whatever i'm drawing that day Are you, is it spelled out fully dungeon janitor yeah okay yeah if, one word. if you're not following him you're missing out on all kinds of goblins doing goblin stuff that he draws it's really cool sarah what you want to plug your instagram yeah 
Um, I recommend Aaron's Instagram. <laughs> All right. So we'll see you next um, week, folks. No, wait. <laughs> my Instagram is um, Sarah Kathleen Roberts, all one word. And that's my name, Sarah with an H, K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N-R-O-B-E-R-T-S. And I just post daily stuff. I don't have a blog or anything right now, but there's a link for my website on that, too. Mm-hmm. And it's SarahKathleenRoberts.com. Yeah, if you want to hear me talk about Japanese movies for some reason, me and Spencer, Spencer, who's been on a couple of episodes of this podcast, do a podcast called High and Low, which I almost never uh, plug, where we talk about Kurosawa movies and other movies from Japan at the same time period. And we do that on a bi-weekly schedule, although you know you can never tell with him. Like, if we record one, all of a sudden it'll be out the next day. And, it's yeah, we don't know what the schedule is, but there are a whole bunch of episodes uh, if you're into Japanese movies and Japanese things, check us out. High and Low, a Kurosawa podcast. A lesson that you learn from Ex Machina. It's a really deep movie. Oh, yeah. If you only learned that you should get some new clothes, I understand that, too. Because <laughs> there's a lot to take in. Uh, I'm very excited for... Uh, Mr. Alex Garland's next project, which is that Natalie Portman, Portman sci-fi movie that I saw a trailer for that I'm drawing a blank on the name for. But it looks really cool. The trailer, at least. Aaron, what did you learn? I learned that if you're a really rich dude who created the search engine, you should probably spend your money on really cool paintings. <laughs> I mean, I would. Yeah. <laughs> so you're saying the creator of Bing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the creator of... You, think uh, you can buy some cool art if you're really rich. What are, some of, the, what are the, some of those older search engines that don't exist anymore? Uh, isn't there like a dog one? I don't know. Uh, I, don't I, I am so drawing Ask blank. Jeeves. It's like, uh, yeah, Ask Jeeves, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Because you have like three or four different ones because you couldn't find the same results on them. And now it's all Google. Aggregator. Sarah, do you have a lesson? Uh, Give me just one second. Okay. I just bought a big piece of art. (laughs) No, I was going to say that um, the headquarters of Microsoft is in Washington State. And I've heard that they have a really cool art collection. Oh, very cool. And that you can take a tour of it and See, stuff. that's really cool. So I was going to say, like, I do think it's a good idea. And the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation? Yeah. The Bill and Ted's Foundation. Bill yes. and Ted's Foundation. No, this yeah. guy. I do think it's a good idea to, to have art. <laughs> Not just because I'm an artist. <laughs> <laughs> I um, like that Pollock he has in the movie. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, they're kind of talking about, they tie in Pollock's idea of automatic painting into not only the randomness of, like, human choices, but also the autonomy, the the automatic reflex that this robot has, too. And it's kind of a perfect marrying of the two ideas. Yeah, Pollock said that he didn't paint, that he was, like, automatic dripping and basically like he had these sticks that he would just put over the 
Yeah. So it's kind of cool because it's kind of a program and it's kind of not, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, but for me, the lesson in the movie is, hmm. Don't drink too much. (laughs) (laughs) All things in moderation. Yeah, yeah. don't drink too much. And and don't underestimate people. It's not a good idea. Or robots. Don't underestimate robots. Yeah. Yeah. My lesson is that if you're young and you are in shape, you should learn how to choreography... (laughs) Do a choreograph okay, that word choreograph choreograph dance with one of your friends or your partner because let me tell you that's freaking impressive. <laughs> In any occasion, I you know I was gonna do a deep lesson and I just I don't got it in me. It's all about dancing for me. It's definitely a way to diffuse the situation. <laughs> yep. Things get real serious. One way out, yeah. (laughs) He was drunk too, man. He still had it. He was probably doing better because he was drunk. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. We'll see you next week, folks. We're gonna. Our plan is to do Logan from 2017 next week, but we'll see you then, anyways. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. EarTrumpetAudio.com Ideas and entertainment. Loud and clear. (laughs) Ha 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 ha!